This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kuehl. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark. Here's what's coming up on this week's show. Sports journalist Mark McIntosh joins us to discuss Northern Ireland's dismal Nations League campaign, which ended in defeat in Athens. Surviving relegation is scant consolation for a side with loftier ambitions. We'll hear his take later on on the programme. In happier news, we'll be speaking to two managers with plenty to be pleased about. Up first, Martin Smith, whose Korean youth team recorded a win in their first European clash with the champions of North Macedonia. We'll be speaking to him next, and we'll also be talking to Northern Ireland under-19s manager Jared Little. He guided his team to the elite qualifying round of the Euros after pipping the Netherlands in their group. And that is some going. All that, plus Irish League predictions for the weekend, coming up right here. On the score. The score with Michael Clark. It is great to be back in your company once again. Thank you for all the very kind messages over recent days. It's been a busy spell. Four matches over six days for me, but uh, a little bit of time to decompress since then and uh, actually see all what was sent in to me, but very much appreciate it. It's another cracking show that we have for you today. And let's start with Wednesday, which was an historic night for Korean Football Club and the Irish League as a whole. As a young bandsiders team entered the European stage to take on FK Pobeda of North Macedonia in the UEFA Youth League. It's basically the Champions League for youth teams. In fact, that is what it is, because the teams taking part in the Champions League, they have their sides in there, plus the domestic youth champions are the best ranked national associations. Korean are one of those because they won the under-18s title in the Northern Ireland Football League last season and on Wednesday they ensured their place in the history books with a win in their first match, a 3-2 success at the showgrounds. Joining me now to talk all about it is their manager, Martin Smith. Martin, great to have you on the show. Yep, thank you. What a huge honour, not just to participate, but to actually go and win your first game as well, you must be on cloud nine. Um, yeah, it was a it was a great night. Um, the players deserve all the credit because they worked exceptionally hard and, and played really really well for the most part. Um, and on the night, they deserved their one. It looked like a real topsy turvy game. You take the lead, you're losing at half time, but you end up winners. Uh, talk us through it. Uh, it was a roller coaster. Um, I remember during the second half, we went in front just thinking football's crazy um, because we started really well. First 20 minutes, we were we were really good. Um, had a couple of opportunities, could have been further ahead. And then the second half of the first half, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, we, we sort of switched off a bit and let them back in the game. And we, we gave away two poor goals from our point of view. Um, so we had a bit of work to do at half time, but 
in fairness to the players, they reacted, you know, on a, on a European night like that, the first time they've been at that level, the first experience they had at it, they could, they could have rolled over um, and been beat three or four, but they didn't. They came out in the second half and, and they dug in and they played really, really well and they were well worth their, their one then. So these are the under-18s champions. So is this an under-19s tournament? It's an under-19s tournament. Um, it's it's our side that won the under-18 Niffle mm-hmm. League last year. Um, it's an under-19 tournament, so it's pretty much lads that are born in 2003. Um, and another interesting fact on that is we don't have any lads born in 2003. Our squad <laughs> last night was made of boys um, born in 2004 and 2005, so effectively we were, we were a year young as well, so that, that makes the factory even better. And for anyone that doesn't fully appreciate that, just how much of an extra challenge is it in terms of their development and, and everything that comes with it at such a young age, going up against people who are a year or two older? Ah, it's 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 great for the boys. They have that challenge. Um, you know, we're playing in the under twenties, not full league now at the minute as well, and we're we're going on there young as well. So, in the long term, it should stand the boys in good stead playing against you know lads maybe that we but bigger, that we but stronger, that we but more experienced. Um, so you know, it's a really good. Um, way for the lads they improve I can't imagine you had much scouting on the North Macedonian champions going into that game no we, we <laughs> tried hard um, it wasn't the easiest it wasn't the easiest report to get on them um, we got wee bits and pieces I know they, they had a player last night who played and I know there's been a bit of interest in him um, from all our sort of bigger clubs around Europe and he ended up scoring their two goals um, so he was good but we know we knew he was going to be good and despite him scoring two goals we actually handled him quite well for the most part um, his two goals came in sort of a five minute spell um, where we sort of switched off but on the most part we've done well um, but it was just a great experience for the boys to be in there at that level you know it was a really really good crowd at the showgrounds I think we had almost 700 there which was great just tremendous for those players to, to get that level of support and they deserve it being in you know a competition of that scale and you know, you've still got the second leg to factor in as well. So, I guess on a personal level, they have a big trip to look forward to. Aye, it is. It's 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 an exciting trip. It's going to be a great experience. Um, it's a difficult it's a difficult journey. We have to go from obviously Coleraine next Tuesday morning. Um, early in the morning, we're leaving around half five in the morning. We're heading to Dublin. Our flight is going from Dublin to Istanbul. And then we fly on from Istanbul then on the North Macedonia. So the big trip ahead is, but you know, we've known this for a month or so. So the club and the board and that have put good plans in place to, to make sure we're travelling and we're comfortable. I mean, just trying to think, you know, when Corain, um, you know, created this youth setup that they had, uh, that they have now, could anyone have imagined that you would be in a competition of this scale, you know, so soon? No, definitely not. Um, it, you know, it's been great, but it's testament to the work that's going on at the club, at the youth levels. You know, Ollie Mullins running the, the senior academy and we're, we're doing really, really well. And David Platt's running the sort of junior academy. But the way the club's moved in the last two or three years, the players that now want to come and play for the club, um, the coaches at the club are all really at a, at a good level as well. So it all stands in good stead. And, and one of football matches and, and playing in Europe is is a brilliant. It's a great experience. But for us as coaches, our biggest enjoyment is seeing young lads who've come through the system um, playing in the Coleraine first team. And we got a taste of that in the Northwest Cup recently in the victory over Institute. 
seven senior debuts. Uh, when you look at that, uh, that you know, throwing them in the deep end, I guess, and sink or swim at times, but obviously came through it. Uh, pretty much. That that was, you know, the experience that the young players have had at the club in the last seven or eight days. As you touched on there last Tuesday night, playing on shooting the Northwest Cup, seven senior debuts. Our, our two fullbacks were 16 years of age. Our two centre-backs were 17 years of age. Our goalkeeper was 18 years of age. Um, so stuff like that is, is brilliant. So that experience they've had from that, right through the week, moving on the the European game. You know, it's, it's a week and I'm sure the boys are, are walking about in cloud nine, but it's it's the way the club are moving. Um, you know, there is, there is faith in the youth um, and at the club, if, if you're good enough, then you will get an opportunity. And we've seen talk in, you know, the last couple of days about all the exciting plans for essentially a regional stadium at Coleraine and I know everywhere is crying out for investment at the moment and people are fighting for whatever funding they can get but you must be licking your lips and thinking if this could happen just how much more could this be upskilled? Yeah 100% the plans that simplest the club are, are exciting um, it's really exciting to be involved and even you know, since the new pitch has gone on now last year the fact that we can train on it through the week and play on it at the weekend um, that's an advantage to all the teams it's it's almost like a hub, you know. When we're when, when we're coming on the train in the evening, there's young lads nine, ten, eleven, twelve on there. You know they're coming off, so it's great. The whole club are, are able to use it. Um, the new work they've done putting on the change rooms and the work they've done there has been brilliant. But as you touched on, that's not the end of it. There's still plenty more work they want to do, um, and it's it's moving at a great rate. But it's you know it's it's great for the players and great for the club. And as much as the players are carving out a name for themselves, Marty, so are you. I it's it's great, um, but you know, I, I try and take away from the limelight. You know, it's not about me; it's it's about the players. Once they go over, um, and as I touched on last night, how brave and and courageous they were in the second half was testament to them. Um, I'm doing my best for them. I'm I'm trying to set them up and and have them ready to play, but. You know, ultimately, football for me is about the players and we're guiding them, yes, but it's about the players for me. Well, you know, you've got the, the backdrop of your experience in, in Super Cup NI and what you've done for county sides and some of the big scalps you've had. You're now leading a young team out in Europe and you've got a, a victory under your belt in your first game and you've, in the last, what, year or so, landed a, a dream job with the club you support in Manchester United, so everything's working out. I, you know, to be honest, if you wrote it down on paper, you, you probably find it hard to believe how things have gone the last year or two for me. So, you know, I'm delighted um, with that. I do, I work exceptionally hard and, you know, I'm ambitious as to what I want to do in my career. But I also have a really good support network around me um, in terms of people at the club, you know, like Ali Moan and Owen, um, and then also my own family, my wife. The, the support network I have is really good and I allow me to do you know what I'm doing, um, but you're right. It's it's been going. It's gone great for me. Um, at Super Cup level at Coleraine, and then obviously landing the job with Man United. It's been unbelievable. You know, it was one thing getting a, a scalp over them a couple of years ago in the tournament. You probably didn't think when you were, you know, when an opposing dugout to Man United then that it wouldn't be too long before they would come calling. <laughs> no, it's, it's a dream come true. Um, they work. And the work that like I'm, I'm working over there with the, the Manchester United Foundation and the work they do for young people um, in Manchester and Greater Manchester is, is unbelievable. It's life-changing for them and I'm just delighted to be part of it and bring that 
over here and the, the Northern Ireland and there in particular. So you're working, what's the official title? School Partnership Officer, is that right? I'm a school partnership officer at a secondary school, Oak Grove Undergraduate College. Um, that's in Derry. So that's that's my official role. And you know, we're working with, I've, I've sort of officially been on the job, but I've worked with maybe over 100 young people already. Um, and the work that goes on at the foundation, it is, it is life-changing for the young people. Um, there's a real emphasis on young people and you know creating positive sort of relationships and creating positive pathways for for young people moving forward. See, I love that sort of stuff. And it's maybe some of the work that goes on that people aren't aware of at times. It isn't just about becoming a Premier League star, which, of course, all of us at one point have dreamed of being and and very few people in the world will ever get to do. But there's a bigger picture here too in terms of the transformative effect on young lives, just having the opportunity to to be a part of a programme like that, isn't there? Yep, yep. See the address, you know, when I'm here in the school and I'm walking about in the Manchester United tracks with the address that that generates, um, you know, having the badge behind you really helps get people on board and then you've got to work with them. You know, the, you know you've got to work with them and they make a difference to them. And as you touched on there, you know, everybody's dream is to play in the Premier League and, and score in the Premier League. Um, but the reality is for most of us, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. But um, as I touched on the work that goes on with the foundation, you know, it is, yes, it's a football club and yes, there is a football element to it, but there's other sides to it as well. You know, it's about their sort of progression, you know, career pathways, just, you know, we're just trying to, we're just trying to create and enhance good people. That's what, you know, that's what it's about. We're trying to make good people, good young people who can move through life and have a positive, sort of, a positive outlook. And what would your advice be to any parents with youngsters who have those dreams and those ambitions, wanting to get into football? Because it's what you do for a living. You work with young people and try and help make them better versions of themselves and better players into the bargain. Uh, what are the first steps, the first right steps any parent can take to, to kind of guide in their child the right direction in an early stage of their sporting journey? Yeah, just to, just to support them, um, encourage them, you know, but... But don't be too heavy on them. Don't be, you know, don't be, I don't know what the, ridicule is probably the right word, but, you know, just let them develop at their own pace. Um, there's young young kids out there that might be high achievers when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, but there's young kids out there who might not reach potential to their 16, 17, 18 and 19. Um, so everybody has their own journey. Everybody will work at their own pace, but just give them the, the support network and, and be there for them, pretty much. And with the heightened interest and availability now of live streaming, and you know the IFA doing more to, to showcase young players as well at an international level, and we've seen the success of the under 19s, and uh, we'll we'll keep singing their praises. We're going to hear from Jared Little on the show shortly, but uh, reaching the elite round of the Euros qualifying, that's just fantastic. Pipping the Netherlands doing so as well. We know there's lots of talented young players in Northern Ireland. Um, just how exciting a time do you think it is? Is 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 it we're paying more attention to it now, or is something happening here that that it seems to be there's there's so many talented people on these shores? Uh, no, there's there's definitely something happening. Um, what I would say is a lot more opportunities for young people, you know, these days than they were maybe when me and you were growing up. Aye. <laughs> um, you know, but. Social media helps with that as well. You know, some people have a, a bad way with social media, but social media helps 
sort of hiding that. You know, look, like I've been able to check out that Northern Ireland under-19s game. It's all over social media. The Korean game was all over social media. So the positive side of it um, is, is really good there as well. But a big thing that I feel has helped young people and especially footballers in, in Ireland over the last couple of years is the quality of coaches coming through. You know, the coach education pathway that the IFA and the FAI put on, the quality of coaches um, are, I think it's helped enhance the quality of players coming through. Absolutely. And I'll back that up so people don't think you're patting yourself in the back. It definitely is the case. Better coaching, better end product. It's a no-brainer. I'm not even just talking about myself there. I'm talking about the whole way through. You know, as I touched on, I mean, you were growing up when we went to football when we were 8, 9 or 10. Your mate's dad was taking you maybe, yeah. Aye, but there was one football through in the middle and there was 20s running after it. <laughs> um, whereas now, you know, the work that's even going on, and I see it firsthand with Corrine, the work that's going on with seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, it's, it's brilliant. Um, and it's, and they're, they're then developing and becoming better people and better footballers as they move through their teenage years then. Yeah, uh, no. When I was playing, and I, like I had some amazing, you know, relationships with coaches and things like that. But it was right. You're tall. You're centre half. Just get rid of it, son. Yeah. <laughs> and you're sort of going right. Okay. And you, you see the way, even just the the physique of young players now. How much they're they know about nutrition. How much they know about just so many different levels. You could go through it all day. But they've they've technique, and there's a technical aspect of their development that just maybe wasn't there a while ago so uh, it brings about as you say these positive outcomes look I wish you every success in North Macedonia um, if Korean are able to get through it's the winners of Genk and Slavia Prague line weight so uh, it won't get any easier in this competition but you don't want it to do you you want to just have the challenge no you want the big you want the biggest games you want the biggest nights um, we're not you know when we touched on the two teams we can play we're not looking too far ahead um we, we just wanted to go to Macedonia with a fighting chance and we've given ourselves that. So we're, we're halfway through the tie and we'll do everything in our power um, to try and get through. We know how difficult it's going to be traveling away and you know, the different food, the different time zone as well, the length of travel. You know, we've got a lot of things against us, but what we do have is a, a really good group of young players and coaches that are they're hungry to go and do well. Well, I wish you every success in the competition and, and make sure that's passed on to those players as well. They've done the club proud already and, uh, well, they're um, they're doing the league proud too. So, Marty, thank you so much for coming on to The Score. No problem. Thank you. The Score with Michael Clark. There's been lots of reasons to be pleased in football uh, this week, not just the success of that Korean team on Wednesday but Northern Ireland's under 19s on Tuesday even if they didn't realise themselves they qualified for the elite round of the European Championship qualifiers after beating Moldova to finish ahead of the Netherlands in their group what an achievement absolutely sensational stuff and joining us on the programme now the manager of the under 19s Jared Little Jared, good to talk to you and you Michael thanks for having me what uh, a whirlwind time at that mini tournament! First of all, for anyone that that doesn't realise how the previous games went, give us a, a quick run through. Yeah, well, we we uh, we were in a, a table, um, a, a, t- a tough group basically with uh, Sylvania, who were second seat in the group, and and Holland, who were were top seat in the group, uh, along for ourselves and Moldova. So our first game was against uh, Sylvania, uh, second seat. Um, 
and we knew it was going to be a really difficult, tough game. Uh, but we 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 sat our stall out, uh, had a good game plan, and we were two 0 up and and sort of comfortable, uh, if you like, without playing overly overly well, Michael. Uh, second half, I've, I kind of had a, a little pop at them at halftime to say, look, there's 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 more in us. You know, we've only been in second gear, and if we can go up the gears and and stuff, we we'll um you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll win this game comfortably, but we have to manage it also uh, because it's a two 0 lead and the next goal is the important one. So we we went out second half and um, PK I think it was hit the hit the inside of the post, great move uh, to go three 0 up and uh, sort of in the six yard box. I'm thinking. Hope that doesn't come back and haunt us. Um, and and true, it it sort of did. Uh, they 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 got a goal in the seventy fifth minute or so uh, to go two one up. And um, our boys sort of not panic, but you know there was a little bit of self doubt creeping in with with, with a few. So uh, again, we we talk about uh, the controllables and the uncontrollables. And, and one of the uncontrollables that we sort of talk about is bad luck, a bit of bad luck or bad fortune. And Later on, 90th minute, they got a, a soft free kick at the edge of the box and um, the, the boys, the Venian boys, just stepped up and he'll never had a free kick like it. He's, he's put it around the wall, top corner, and and uh, they withdrew two each. So we were absolutely gutted, deflated uh, because of the lead and, and they were celebrating as if they'd won the group, you know, so early on. So uh, sort of that side of it gave us a bit of a boost that second seat in the group are, are celebrating, you know, they've got off lately type of thing. Um, and give us a little bit of confidence going into the second game. Second game, we knew it was going to be the potentially the toughest game. But I spoke to the boys beforehand um, in our in our pre-match stuff in terms of our meetings and presentations, and and I asked them one or two questions. You know, if if we were con- if we were to concede possession, you know, if it was a seventy thirty or or ninety ten or or whatever it might be, and uh, we got a result, would you take it? And everyone answered yes. And and right away we knew that they were that they, they, they'd buy into that, and they'd bought into it because there's a lot of teams I think, you know when when they're not, when they don't have the ball and they're starved of the ball they they get frustrated and and all of a sudden that's when the heads go down and the focus goes so we we were getting into that game with that mentality that um you know if we, if we were patient uh, and when we do have the ball we'll get our rest by keeping good possession we done all that and then we play on the counter attack and and we done it brilliantly and. In the end, it was a 60-40 possession in their favour. Um, we created the uh, same amount of gold, gold opportunities on, on target as they did. And they just pipped us, the, the two, um, with with goals, um, you know, trying to create goals. So it was nearly a fairly even game and, and to come out 0-0 and a well-deserved 0-0 and, and probably could have nicked it in the end if, if the um, decision had a went in our favour with, with, with an attack. Uh, so again, it was very proud and, and very promising that, you know, we've we, we were getting into the last game all to play for, you know, and and it's something that we always ask the uh, the groups, the the teams that we 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 go to competition with. So let me uh, let me game. let me jump in there because yeah. you know Slovenia Patrick Kelly with both the goals and uh, what a what a talented young boy he is and Irish league fans got to see what he could produce before he got his opportunity uh, to make a move across the water so he's doing well in the international scene you see the second seed celebrating a draw and you're going in against the Netherlands and I would imagine you're thinking 
what could have been here? And look, we're, you know, obviously Holland are going to be big, yeah. big favourites in that game. You come out with a draw there, so now you've two points on the board. So what's the thought process for the Moldova game? Uh, because in, in many ways, at the start of it, if you said, look, you're going to get two points in your first two matches, nobody would have been too disappointed, I don't think, but it was the, the way it all kind of fell. You were maybe in a different mentality than you would have been. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, we, we, we would have took two points, you know, going into the last game with, with a chance to qualify, absolutely. But just that that in, in, that sort of says in you where you think missed opportunity, we, we could have been sitting four points um, mm-hmm. because of, of the first game. But, you know, we in terms of the game plan and everything else after the, the, the Holland game, we have a mentality with the boys where it's a one-game mentality and, and we focus on the three games at one game at a time. So once once we finish the first game, we debrief the, the lads the next morning and then it's just boxed away, we leave it. So the focus goes right on to the, the next game, the important game. And and really what it was, was was a completely different setup, completely different mentality. We had to go and play in the front foot. We had to go and attack. Um, we had to go and, and probably take a little sort of chance in terms of ourselves a little bit open and, and that happened in the game where we, we were we were so focused on attacking that um they broke a couple of times on us and, and you know on another day you know probably could have scored. Um so that 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 changes like every every game that we've played is is a completely different game plan, you know, because of the opposition we're we're up against and obviously the different formations we're up against as well. We knew Moldova would be Difficult to break down. They were very compact. Um, worked really hard for each other, and even even though they had nothing to play for, they obviously had pride to play for, like we all do. Um, they were time wasting. The goalkeeper went down about three times during the game. The time waste to slow it down. The, they were happy to just to, to lose one 0 rather than anything else. So that that again was was really frustrating. But again, trying to manage that with with us and the sideline and and our boys and and everything else then. You know, it's 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 a tough one. You know, because anxiety starts creeping into the lads. You know, she's we need our goal, we need our goal, and and that's that's all it was. We we just kept saying look, we need to get three goals here, get the ball forward, get forward, take chances, take risks, all that type of stuff, and 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 really that's what we've done. So explain that to me because you went two 0 and as we all now know, you did qualify, but you thought that you hadn't. Yeah, <laughs> again, uh, there's 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 one lucky person um, <laughs> in our staff that uh, got away got away lately because uh, our doctor um, had he he's normally quite good on top of things in terms of all the all the different scenarios around you know what we need to do and and, and so on. Um, so he he told us basically that that we uh, no matter what. If uh, we win three 0 no matter what happens in the other game, we qualify. Um, but if the uh, if the game goes to a draw, um, obviously we need to win three uh, nil to, to qualify. If it goes to one of the other teams win and we win, then it, it wouldn't really matter. Um, so we needed basically the three goals. We we found out that the uh, the other game had finished nil nil. So. We, we were gutted. Um, I walked down the line to shake the hands of, of, of the opposition manager and, and absolutely got to think, what am I going to say to these boys here? They've, they've given us everything. They've went through the tournament unbeaten. Um, what, what can I do? You know, and, and I've walked on the pitch and, and two of the lads have walked towards me, our captain, and, and one of the other lads says, what, 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 what happened? Are we, are we through? And I've just had to say, I just said to him, look, I think we just fell short, lads. Uh, I've got it for you. And, you know, the heads went down. And then within a 30-second period, um, 
there was sort of cheering in the stands from some parents and I looked around and going, what are they happy for? <laughs> and they were shouting down, we've, we've done it, we've done it. And I went, what? And I've looked around again and, and a couple of coaches came and says, yeah, we're qualified. They got the, the obviously you have a website up with a table. And it turned out that we, we, we had qualified through the goal difference and whatever it was. It was goals um, four, wasn't it? Because you, you'd scored four, four yeah. conceded two, yeah. and the Netherlands had scored two and conceded none. So you'd the same goal difference, but you'd scored more over the three games. Scored. Yeah, so we all finished on five points, the, the three teams. But yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. And, and we didn't, they didn't realise that. So going from being absolutely gutted, the emotions was, was unbelievable to... The uh, the excitement and and joy of uh, and relief of of just qualifying because the the, the group that I, I've always said it, it they deserve it you know they put so much into into uh, preparation and, and obviously going and, and making a good account of themselves you know it's, it goes on sort of noticed and, and sometimes and, and unheard of that you know we went there unbeaten uh, against top opposition and and. To not qualify, you're thinking, God, this is absolutely this is a sin. So, as I say, we were we were so proud and and um, so happy that you know we get over the line and and, and everything you know that 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 they deserved and more. And reaching the elite round, it's something that um, the under 19s haven't done since 2016. So congratulations, you know it's it's not an easy Thank thing you. to do. It really isn't to go unbeaten. I feel like saying congratulations mm-hmm. again because it's that that you know it's. We've seen at any level of football how challenging that is, particularly when you're, you know, one of the lower seeds in that yeah. group, and and you've you finished ahead of the Netherlands in a mini tournament held in the Netherlands, which <laughs> is uh, remarkable. I don't think too many of us would have taken that bet on if we're all being honest now after the fact. So uh, yeah. the the elite round, when do you find out what happens then, and uh, and how looking how much are you looking forward to it? Yeah, well, we we find out the draws in December. Uh, and then it's played, I think, in springtime. Um, so we'll find it in December in terms of the draw and, and who we get. Um, and, and absolutely, you know, it's the whole reason why we're there. We, uh, we, and again, it's, it's the message is very clear with all our young lads now. You know, we're not just going to make numbers up. We want to go and compete and qualify and and be around these stages and 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 trying to get that mentality into our lads. You know. It's it's really important, you know. I, I did have a little pop at them once or twice around around certain things, especially when we were in the lead two 0 It's it's one of the things that, for some reason, our 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 groups and our our teams, you know, are uncomfortable leading games, uh, where other nations are are so comfortable. So, again, that that's a work in progress in, in terms of what we need to do as coaches and, and teams to to try and make sure, you know, going forward when we do get ourselves in, in front and in a good lead that we're able to manage um, and see games out. Marshall Gillespie put up a stat showing you know the previous squad that did it and five of them uh, went on to win senior international caps. You look at Jordan Thompson, Connor Hazard, Jamal Lewis, Shane Lavery, Paul Smith, who were all part of that previous under-19s panel to, to reach that elite round. Uh, outside of that, Mark Sykes, we know what, what happened there, but still obviously a really, really good player and players that are in the Irish League now, Ben Hall, Michael Newbury, Matty Shevlin, Ben Kennedy, Lyndon Kane, Shea Gordon, you could you could keep rhyming on. It's such a such a strong panel. So it, it, yeah. it would lead people to think, even if they haven't maybe seen much of your under nineteens, that you must have a few smashers in there. We do. We we have a team and we were we were the youngest team there as well, so I must mention that. You know uh the three teams, Netherlands didn't have a one two thousand and five uh 
Slovenia had one 2005 and Moldova didn't have any. And we had five 2005s uh, in our panel, in our 20-man panel with us. You know, so again, it's something that I always try and do is is, is bring bring one or two that gain experience, waste away for the following year, and and not only just just for that reason, they're good enough to come and and, and play and compete. So, um, the squad, you know, was a strong squad, albeit we we got a bit of bad news uh, on the Thursday or Friday, I think, leading out. We met up on the Sunday before we went. And we got a bit of bad news on, on two players. Jamie McDonough had pulled out, who's a big player for us at Nott- Nottingham Forest. Um, mm-hmm. And and Omari Kellyman, uh, who's at Aston Villa, again, is, is a massive player for us. Um, and and in the 2005 also had both pulled out. So we were a bit gutted and, um, with, with that. But again, it didn't phase us. It didn't, it didn't upset the, the rhythm of anything. You know, we went out prepared. We were out ready and... and Again, um, a full credit to these young lads because I say you just said it there with the previous group that, that qualified them years ago. You know, hopefully we're looking back, you know, in ten years' time, and and these boys not only have had a good career but they've had a good international career. It would be uh, it'd be brilliant for us. Certainly would be, and you know, uh, I imagine uh, the celebrations were good with your with your staff, Gareth McCauley, Mike Ingham, Etal. Everybody must be in really high spirits. Yeah, again, it's it's one of them ones we where me personally and my past experience I, I don't try and get caught up too much in the highs and lows anymore, you know, and obviously we're there to win and we're there to do a job, but you know, it was nice to sit down and, and relax after with a, a nice glass of red wine and, and enjoy the moment, enjoy the mm-hmm. the uh the occasion of, of the hard work that was put in by all the staff and, and obviously the players, you know, but I mean the, the amount of work that's put in behind the scenes is incredible that nobody really sees and and it's it's uh, I have to I have to thank and applaud you know the the backroom staff that I have because without them, you know it, it doesn't happen you know and that's just the bottom line. Um, we all pull together. We all have our our uh, our own things that we we take care of and, and specialize in. And and, uh, and once that all joins together, then it makes a powerful team. And and, and basically that's what's happened with with um with the staff and and the nineteen staff. And tell me this: What's the international calendar looking like under your remit? Obviously, you're in charge of the under 17s too. Um, so, so how busy are the coming months? Yeah, they're really busy. I'm looking after the 17s and the 18s and the 19s, Michael. So at the minute, it's just it's it's absolutely chaotic um, in terms of schedules and stuff. So it's it's very challenging. Obviously, uh, we have the 17s Euros coming up in Malta. Um, Next month, or uh, October, sorry, mid mid October, and then we have um, with two games at home in in, uh, in November with the under 18s, and then there'll be a couple of months break after that. So it's uh, it's been nonstop again. It's 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 one of them ones you're sort of having to jump from one one age group to the other and, and reset and, and try to go again and, and then start focusing on them players and getting the right players and, and blend coming through as well to, to obviously take to the, the Euros and, and make sure we're, we're competitive and strong. So it's a busy one. You know, there's no doubt about that. It seems like you have a good pool of players to pick from. Um, you know, when you, you look at the clubs attached to them, and I know that's only part of a story because you, you want them to be getting minutes and, and developing. It's it's no use if they're at a big name but not actually getting to perform and getting to improve. But we've seen with uh, with the players that you've had to pick from that they seem to have settled in very quickly at their respective clubs. Yeah, again, and that's that's something that we 
we have been working on for years. You know, it's not just a, a last year thing. That's that's been a process that's been put in place way back when you know Jim Jelton uh, was in charge uh, when the academy was set up and the club and I and 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 obviously it's it's been taken on now by by Andy Waterworth. It's doing an unbelievable job as well along the lines of, of um, preparing these boys for, for life in, in England and in the UK, basically. And the big thing is is it's it's great getting the boys there, but it's important that they stay there and and, um, and have a career in, in terms of, you know, the big thing was homesickness. And when they, when they do arrive there, that they're not too homesick and, and don't want to come back because they're not fully focused and they can't really perform as, as, as good as they should because they have other things in their mind. So... Again, when you look at our, our players that's went across, they're all at decent clubs. Um, they're all playing every week, uh, which again is important for me as a manager that I'm getting players coming with me that, that have lots of minutes in their legs uh, and they're fit and strong and, and ready for, for a you know a turnaround of three games in 10 days. So it's it's massive for us. And and again, long may that continue. We have another another good uh, couple, of year, couple of groups coming through that you know we look forward to, to working with in the next lot of years also. And last question, how important is the Irish League for you in terms of developing that talent? Massive. I mean you look you look at the um you look at the my nineteen squad there. Uh we had um we had a few boys playing on it. Uh we we had Connor Scannell who was massive uh, a massive player for us. Um, you know, he he ended up scoring the, the last goal. He played the three games, he covered the most uh KGs and, and and, and, and total distance, <laughs> which is incredible for a young man who's playing uh, part-time football. Uh, with Dylan Sloan, who who is at Lauren, who's full-time, and uh, we also had um, we also had Aaron Whiteman, uh, who's at Glen Torn. So again, you know, three three top lads, three top players, and and three players that you know didn't look out of place when they were with us. They certainly didn't, and um, well. Uh, we will follow the journey on and we'll follow their careers as well. Uh, brilliant to talk to you, Jared. And, um, well, every continued success to you and your team. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, whilst we have had lots of positive stories to talk about, a different feel, it must be said, when it comes to the senior men's international team, Northern Ireland. It would be generous maybe to say mixed bag because there was a victory in there. Uh, a winless run finally ended on attempt 15 against Kosovo in dramatic fashion, thanks to Josh McGuinness and indeed Gavin White. But back to reality, we all came very swiftly at the hands of Greece in Athens. 3-1 it finished, Poyet's group winners, comfortable winners it must be said on Tuesday. Joining us to assess where Northern Ireland are at at the moment is sports journalist and friend of the programme, Mark McIntosh. Mark, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Michael. Um, you used the word positivity there. I think the only thing we can say about Northern Ireland is it was positively awful. It is a really, really difficult period of time for Northern Ireland fans and maybe the optimistic element of the fan base were thinking after the Windsor Park win on Saturday, things would maybe finally change, things would be a bit different. Yeah, I think everyone was hoping that, and certainly speaking to the manager and players, they were thinking that as well, um, but the reality is, the mistakes that we've been making for the last 18 months you know, they weren't going to quickly disappear, um, 
you wonder sometimes what's actually being done on the on the training pitch because you keep seeing the same things. So when we went to Athens, I, I think most people, if they actually thought about it, they knew these problems were still going to be there. And that's what we're showing. You know, even at halftime, you know, the game's won each. We've got ourselves back into the game. And you think Greece weren't playing particularly well either. The game was there for the taking. But if you analyse the first half, we weren't good in the first half either. So what happened in the second half was just all too predictable. And frustration for, I'm sure, Northern Ireland fans who had been longing to see Jordan Thompson get a starting berth in midfield and only a few minutes into the match, he'd come in, of course, for George Savile. He takes a bang to the head and ends up having to come off. It, it just seemed to set the tone for the night. Things were not going to go well. Yeah, and look, there's been a lot of that. To be totally fair to Ian Barraclough, since he took over, he's had a lot to deal with, probably more than most managers ever had with Northern Ireland. You know, And I do feel for him in that case, but... You know, Jordan Thompson's a player that I wanted to see get a bit of a run on the side. And I don't think it ever does Jordan any favours by bringing him in and then putting him on the bench again and bringing him in again. I think he needs a run of games. You know, he's good from dead balls. You know, he can pick a pass. So I was looking forward to seeing him. And, you know, George Savile, to be fair, he's one of those players that Nolan Aaron fans tend to, to criticise quite a lot. And actually, I think far too much at times. And I just one of... Another bizarre decision for me and Barclough. I actually thought George Savile did quite well against Kosovo last Saturday. And then, of course, he, he loses his place straight away. One of the other things that was a head-scratcher for some people was the decision to talk about Bailey Peacock-Farrell's lack of game time after a heroic second half against Kosovo. Could that have weighed on his mind in the early stages against Greece? Because it ends up being confusion at the back between him and Paddy McNair that leads to the opening goal. No, listen, I don't think any of the talks around him, Billy, would have affected him. I don't even think necessarily the fact that he hasn't been playing games this season affects him because, you know, during his Northern Ireland career, there's been a lot of that time when Billy hasn't been playing first-team football and in nearly every game he always, you know, pulls off one massive save, um, certainly more than one last Saturday um, against Kosovo. But I think it was just, it was one of those situations It was comical almost, um, you know, and it wasn't the only goal in the game I thought was comical. Um, there are just so many mistakes all over the place. And again, you can't necessarily blame Ian Barraclough for individual errors. But if individual errors keep happening, then maybe you have to look at everybody. But I, I just think at the moment, Ian Barraclough is public enemy number one with a lot of Nolan Ireland fans. I think the players actually have to take a long, hard look at themselves as well because they aren't doing him any favours and they're not doing themselves any favours. Falling behind yet again in a game. Uh, granted that unlike previous matches, they actually got a very quick equaliser four minutes after going 1-0 down. Lavery, with a very good finish, makes it one all. But, I mean, flattering to deceive, really. Northern Ireland never had control of the match. It was a sloppy game. Both teams were off the pace. And it's a bit of an indictment if against a Greece team that weren't playing particularly well that you end up conceding three and being beaten as, as handily as they were. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. We we could all see that Greece were there for the taking, but for that to happen, Northern Ireland had to be playing quite well, and they just weren't. That you know they couldn't pass the ball to each other. Um, you know when Stephen Davis gives the ball away, which leads to the second goal. When Stephen Davis is doing that, then you know it's a bad night. You know you could probably count his major mistakes in his international career of 140 games probably on one hand. 
Um, so when that happens, you know it's just not a good night. But Northern Ireland, were, as you say, were never in control of the game. Um, a great ball from Stephen Davis and an unbelievable finish from Shane Lavery. He probably hasn't got the credit he deserved for that either. Um, but I was never convinced that we would go on and win that game. Um, there were just so many elements of it. And, you know, I maybe sound like a, a broken record player when I talk about Jamal Lewis. I keep being told how good Jamal Lewis is going forward. Now, I'm yet to see evidence of this. But what I would say, against Greece, when he did go forward, there was a bit of positivity in our play. Um, I thought chances were maybe going to be created. But defensively, he's a bombsker. You know, he doesn't sense danger. And I know he's one of these modern-day fullbacks that likes to attack and, you know, he's much better going forward than he is defending. That's fine. I understand that. That's what football is now. But Jamal Lewis has played football at a very high level for three or four years, including international football. And if you look at even the incident with the the shot that hit the post in the first half in Greece, and then um, the second goal after Davis gives the ball away, Jamal Lewis didn't sense that danger. And when you have a team like Northern Ireland who have to defend as much as we do, everyone has to be on it. And I know I'm kind of singling out Jamal in this occasion, but I think if you look throughout the campaign, there's evidence of that with several players, and it's just simply not good enough. And what does that boil down to? Because people will apportion a lot of that to the manager, saying, if this is happening, what are you doing to counter it? If it happens again, how is it not being addressed? It's a, a group that beforehand, when the draw was made, people were looking at and saying, could Northern Ireland win the group? And in the end, they survive on the final round of fixtures by virtue of Cyprus being beaten. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of conference going into that group. You know, Northern Ireland being the sort of top seeds for it, you'd think, you know, good chance of winning the group. Finally, a bit of positivity. And that's exactly what you wanted heading into the Euros qualifiers. Um but it just it never, ever looked likely. And, I mean, I think there are loads of issues. I mean, one major one for me is that, again, it's not all on Ian Barraclough, but he seems to have a different coach at every international camp. You know, and several coaches have come in and have had to leave the job for various reasons. Um, and I just don't think that's helpful. You know, the players are getting different messages from different coaches. Um, nothing seems to be the same from one game to another. And... When you're doing that, you're never going to get any sort of consistency at club level, even you know when, you, when you're doing it every day. But when you're only meeting up every few months at international level and the messages are different, what chance do you have? What chance does he have, do you think? Are the Irish FA going to stand by their man or is there now rumblings of, of change being required if Northern Ireland are going to, to, to come through the qualifiers with the draw next weekend? Well, look, if you're Ian Barraclough, I think it might be a nervous few months. Um, the fans have clearly turned. I, I don't think anyone can dispute that. Um, the IFA, though, they don't normally sack managers. Um, and you, I was looking at it and thought, well, if they were going to sack Ian Barraclough and give someone else a chance, they probably would have done it after the June games to give a new manager the two games this month ahead of probably, because our, our next games probably won't be until March when the, the Euro qualifiers start. Um, so I, I don't necessarily believe that the IFA will pull the trigger. Um, and the other reason for that is if the IFA were to do that, that would be an admission that they got that appointment wrong. And as we've seen with the off-the-pitch incidents in, in the past week, 
with Kyle Lafferty and Conor McMenamin. The top brass at the IFA don't speak publicly about things. You know, they are chairman of the Self-Preservation Society. And, you know, I, I don't think that they will want to admit that they've got any of this wrong. Well, they might say that they issued statements, but I know when I, I've heard frustrations from journalists on that, they're not here to defend themselves. So I'm just mindful of that. Um, looking at things... It would be nice if they were, though, wouldn't it? Looking at things, you know, it's it's clear to see that this is a, a very frustrating time for everybody involved in the camp and for supporters as well. And it's just a question of how will it change because now Northern Ireland, because they had to win against Greece, if they were to remain in pot four, they didn't win against Greece, they were beaten. They're now in pot five for the Euro uh, qualifying draw, which means four higher ranked nations will be in that group and the potential of, you know, when England, Spain, even Turkey, lots of teams in there that are going to make life difficult. You could say, well, that was what happened when we got to Euro 2016, but it doesn't feel like the same build-up, does it? It doesn't feel like the same strength of squad or, or the same maybe confidence could be there. No, look, that seems like a million years ago. Um, and look, people are maybe right to say the fact that that's what we did the last time, because yes, we were in pot five and we topped the group and we went to the Euros and everything was great. And if I'm being really honest, in the build-up, to those qualifiers starting, you couldn't have seen us top in the group. Now, the difference was the group was probably favourable to us in terms of the nations that we were drawn against. And, you know, that that comes down to lady luck. We don't know what's going to happen in the draw. Um, you know, we could get a favourable draw and then that gives us an opportunity. Um, the likelihood is, though, it, it, it's going to be a tough draw no matter who we get because confidence isn't great. Um, we're going to have big decisions probably before then as well. You know, Stephen Davis has already said that he will consider his international future because if you look at it, those qualifiers start in March. That'll nearly be the end of the season, which could possibly be Stephen Davis's last season at Rangers. You know, is he going to commit until next November? You know, I'm not so sure. And, you know, Johnny Evans, I know he, he said all the right things um, in the past week, you know, how proud he was. And of course he was to get the 100 caps. But just the way things are going and the fact that things aren't particularly great at club level, maybe Johnny might just decide, you know what, now is the right time. Um, and if Johnny Evans and Stephen Davis go, then no matter who we draw in the next campaign, I think it could be a long, hard slog. It was pointed out by Stephen Cragen on commentary on Saturday as Davis came off uh, in the dying embers of the game against Kosovo that... You know, could it be the last time we see him pull on the green at, at Windsor Park? You know, could that have been a a little thing that was agreed between manager and player to, to allow him to, to come off to the ovation and, and everything else? And like at the moment, it's all speculation, but we've heard what he said. He's not going to rush into a decision, but it's something that's now weighing on his mind. And maybe uh, with things not having gone so well, uh, it makes people question how much longer can I give to this? And, and you know, is this a bigger job than I can really commit to? I.e. it's going to take more than one campaign, so so is it worth it? Yeah, and look, all of those things will be in Stephen Davis's head. Um, I don't necessarily think it was maybe anything that he spoke to Ian Barraclough about ahead of the, the Kosovo game. I think it was probably just Ian Barraclough being a thoroughly decent man, as he is, and probably thought it would be a nice touch, Um, and it was. Look, if you're Stephen Davis, you owe Northern Ireland absolutely nothing. You know, like I said earlier, 140 caps. He's been 
a sensation throughout his international career. Um, and he's probably just getting to the stage of life now. He wants to spend a bit more time with his young family. Um, and if we have seen Stephen Davis for the last time, then, you know, good luck to him. He, he's been an absolute legend of Northern Ireland football and we will certainly miss him because I don't see anybody who can step into his boots anytime soon. Difficult uh, months ahead, potentially for Northern Ireland. Um, what do you want from the the draw next week? Do you just want to draw out the Galacticos and uh, be pitted against the best, or you want and Lady Luck to somehow manage to fashion a way that it's a more favourable draw? Because there is something to be said for Northern Ireland in games as underdogs versus when they have the favourites tag. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but given the way things have gone the past year, I would say no matter who we're playing. We'll probably be underdogs, especially when we're in pot five. Um, but yeah, look, one of the glamour nations is always a bit of fun for the fans, you know, and fans will probably look to have some nice trips and things like that. But look, I'm a, I'm an all Ireland fan. I want us to qualify. So if we could get, you know, the worst teams possible in every pot, that's what I want. You know, let's, let's give ourselves a chance. Um, and look, listen, I, I don't think we're necessarily a million miles away. The results are poor. And the atmosphere is poor around everything. But that doesn't mean we are a million miles away. You know, I just think some simple things maybe need to change. The worrying thing is that we've maybe said this for quite a while now and none of these things are changing. So why would they change between now and March? Northern Ireland fans for years have been crying out for more consistency in front of goal. They they get a run of games where they're scoring in, but uh, the problem is now they're conceding a lot. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing we were so good at for so long. You know, you know when Michael O'Neill made his name as manager, you know, it was all about keeping Northern Ireland tight at the back and then being good with set pieces. And, you know, it just seems like so long ago when every time we got a corner or a free kick, we thought we could score a goal. You know, I never think that now. Mm, that is quite telling look uh, we're coming towards the end of the programme let's just quickly switch to the Danske Bank Premiership we've barely spoken about it today which feels like a real sin not a reflection on the league but just a reflection of everything else that's been going on around the place Um, two games taking place Friday night if you're uh, listening to this uh, live or uh, well yesterday if you're on catch up or whatever but uh, Glentorn against Balamini United being one of them and at Shamrock Park the game the BBC are showing is a Mid-Ulster Derby, Portadown versus Glenavon. Uh, let's start with the game at the Oval. David Jeffrey, no easy games for Balamini United at the moment. On a five-game losing streak, the atmosphere has been really, really challenging. The Sky Blues fans have seen enough, I think, in recent weeks, and it's all been a bit difficult there. Going to Glentoran isn't exactly the remedy, is it? No, look, it's maybe the worst possible game they could have. You know, as you say, a five-game losing streak um, for Balamina is simply not good enough. And look, I, I don't think any Balamina fan expects them to be challenging for the title. But if you look at their squad, they should definitely be doing better than what they're doing right now. Um, but look, David Jeffrey's been there before. He's been on the receiving end of criticism, even when he was at Linfield and being successful. Um, David Jeffrey, there's no better manager in the country to come out fighting, you know, when times are tough. Um, and I will say, look, I, I think it was even last season, the Glens were flying at one stage and Balamina came to the Oval in a midweek game and won the game, 1-0. Um, and that wouldn't massively surprise me, but from what I've seen from Balamina, 
um, since the start of the season. I just can't see it happening because the Glens just seem very strong. And the fact they've only conceded one goal in the league as well, you know, they're absolutely flying at the moment. And after that, Balamini netted home against Korean. So, uh, well, they've got them twice, haven't they, in the, the next couple of weeks? So, uh, well, it, it could be a very telling few weeks for David Jeffrey. Um, a man who's throughout his career has been so used to winning things. Um, it isn't the first difficult patch at Balamini United, as you've alluded to, but uh, this one feels like it is weighing on the manager too. Yeah, and look, we, we saw the emotion of, it, of his recent interviews as well. Um, you can see that it is weighing on his mind. You can see that he's, he's maybe banging his head off a brick wall because he just doesn't know what to do to change things. But we all know what Irish League football in particular is like. It only takes that one slice of luck. You know, get a goal, sneak a 1-0 win, and all of a sudden things can change. And I think David Jeffrey will be hoping that's the case because, like I said earlier, they have enough quality in that squad to do that. Um, but something definitely isn't right at the moment. And if there's a man that's going to be able to sort that out, it will be David Jeffrey. Speaking of pressure, Portadown, Mr. Doolan, he was hoping that, you know, things would work out in the game against Dungannon Swifts uh, last weekend. Would it be the chance to finally get a point at least on the board? They're still without one. They were beaten 2-0. And now another Middlestar foe, their, their biggest rivals in the land. Glenavon come to Portadown. Um, I mean, there'd be no finer time to do it, I suppose, than when you're playing your better rivals, but uh, Portadown are at risk of being cut adrift if they don't start picking up points. Yeah, they really are. And at the moment, they don't even look like picking up points. I think everyone would have looked at the Dungannon game and thought, that's that's the moment. That's the moment to get up and run. You know, even if it had been a draw, it was a point on the board, but they never looked like winning the game. Um, and I think they're really, really struggling at this moment in time. But as you rightly say, you know, it's a game against their, their better rivals. And, you know, Portadown have actually got some decent results against Glenavon since they were promoted. Um, now they've been on the receiving end of a couple of beatings as well. But it wouldn't, again, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they were to, to all of a sudden pick up a win. But if Glenavon turn up at all, I would expect Glenavon to beat them. They have been struggling in front of goal, that's no secret. It's something they're going to have to try and find an answer to Portadown if they are to finally start getting points on the board. They've played the top six, they uh, lost against uh, the first team they played from last year's bottom six, so um, will they go on a bit of a better run? Uh, well, things couldn't get much worse at the moment for them, you would think. Uh, just quickly, Mark, to, to get, a, a, I guess, a team name off you when I ask you who's going to come out the better on the Saturday fixtures, Carrick Rangers or Crusaders? I fancy the cruise. Cliftonville or Newry City? Cliftonville. Dungannon Swifts or Linfield? Linfield. And this one is a trickier one. Perhaps half five at Inver Park. Larne against Corain. I think that could be a cracking game. I love what Larne are doing this season. They're very much under the radar. I think that suits them perfectly. Tiernan Lynch was under a lot of pressure, but he's quietly gone about his business. He's trusted in his own process, and I would fancy Lauren. Okay, going for Lauren. It was nice to see them do a presentation signed Lauren jersey to Kofi Balmer, who uh, he didn't get on, but his first international call up and a proud week for him um, to be a part of that Northern Ireland camp. And I don't say he'll be back in it again at some point, but his old club bringing him in and uh, showing him the love and appreciation that he's earned. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it just it says a lot a lot about Lauren as a club. You know, they're very good at things like that. You know, on the pitch it looks like they're starting to get things right again. Off the pitch, I think they've been getting things right since Kenny Bruce um came into the club, obviously with Gareth Clements as well. I think they're doing a lot of things that a lot of Irish League clubs have been looking at and thinking that's what we need to be doing. Um, believe it or not, Mark, we are out of time. So uh, all that's left really to say is thanks very much for coming onto the programme. Anytime at all, Michael. And thank you very much for listening. This has been The Score once again. All that's left to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.